I was just so, so sad. Mm. So um, I don't think anybody knows this, but what I did was I dropped the kids off yeah. um, and get back into my PJs, sleep until it was time to pick up my kids, um, wash up my face, put on my clothes. Hi, kids, how are you? How was your school day? And wow. that was my cycle. Let's talk DXB. Real conversations by real people. Tess. Thank you so much for coming in. This is a topic that I'm very passionate about. I didn't think I'd ever get to a point where I say therapy so much and so openly, um, but I'm learning the value of it. Obviously going through my journey and my story. And Let's Talk is definitely about knowledgeable conversations. So having you, such a qualified and leading psychologist in the studio, I'm very grateful for your time. Thank you for having me, Sharon. Thank you. So I always start with the guests because I always like to learn more about them, their background. I think particularly for your your job and what you do, I think it takes a special person. So I'd like to learn a bit more of about Tess and what got you into being a psychologist. Mm, so I arrived in Dubai nine years ago okay. and I was the trailing spouse, by which I mean I followed my husband here and I had two kids mm-hmm. uh, as well. I arrived here and I was very excited, you know, I don't have to work. My husband's got a fantastic job. I just have to be a mum and I really was looking forward to that downtime. Mm. Um, Got my nails done, got my hair done, all that lovely (laughs) stuff. But I felt um, it wasn't satisfying me. And in that time, I was trying to find my people, Mm. my tribe. And coming to Dubai is just a melting pot of different types of personalities, Mm. different cultures. So I am the friendly type, so I would say hi my name's Tess do you want to be my friend or or words to that effect (laughs) and uh, I made a lot of friends or so I thought Mm. and it wasn't really what I expected and some of these people had different cultures to me and different Mm. values and so on and so forth and I found myself withdrawing because I I didn't feel connected so what happened in that one year um, first year in Dubai I started eating a lot Um, the Dubai stone I'm still trying to shift mine (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, we all are right Um, so the Dubai stone became the Dubai two three stone for me because I was eating my feelings Um, my background I'm a biochemist by trade oh wow yeah um, I hated it so I retried and um, then I went into public health, which yeah. as a public health consultant in the NHS. And that's when I came over. But I didn't really know what to do with myself. Mm. I was mum, took the kids to school, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I was just so, so sad. Mm. So um, I don't think anybody knows this, but what I did was I dropped the kids off yeah. um, and get back into my PJs, sleep until it was time to pick up my kids, um, wash up my face, put on my clothes. Hi, kids, how are you? How was your school day? And wow. that was my cycle. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. And you never vocalised it to no. anybody? Well, I looked for groups to join and yeah. I didn't find any groups. Yeah. And yeah. because I didn't have my people, everyone had a, a veneer mm. out it's fine look at me I'm great let's go brunching yeah. um I'm from London and brunching wasn't a big no. thing when I was growing up but certainly in my uh, late 20s yeah. so this was a new concept to drink your feelings and I didn't want to That's do that it, yes so I just got terribly depressed mm. I'm going to be honest and uh, as someone who worked in the mental health yeah. sphere I was like this this is not good yeah. um went to Singapore uh for a wedding and my father-in-law fat shamed me and he said oh Tess I haven't seen you in a while you've put on about 60 kg since we last met and I was like no dad it's not 60 it's 63 kg you just tried to joke it off joked it off but it impacted me because nobody could see that I was Mm. in pain I was Mm. sad so I said to myself I need to uh, enjoy my holiday come back and uh, 
I joined the gym right. just to kind of help with my mental health mm -hmm. because it only takes 15 minutes and nine seconds to elevate your mood when you exercise. Really? Yep. So I, <laughs> I had yeah. that in mind every mm. time I'd go to the gym, although that was hard in itself. Mm. Then I went home after my f year one of Dubai. Yeah. When I went home, uh, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I need to have some sort of purpose. Yeah. So I sat with myself and said, is this what I want going mm. forward? Um, prior to coming back to London uh, in the first year, Sophia, my daughter, said to me, Mummy, mm. I want to be like you when I grow up. Mm. And I was like, oh, proud moment. And I said, why, darling? Why yeah. do you want to be like me? She said, because you sit at home all day. Mm. Oh. So that's what she was thinking that's what she of saw. me. Yes. Monkey see, monkey do. And yeah. I said, I do not want this for my daughter. I've worked extremely hard. My parents, yes. immigrants, you know, the, the mm. whole story about coming to the UK, yep. you know, finding a job and um, saving all that money for their children, their education. And I said, no, this is not, not going it. to meet me. Yeah. So I sat with myself and said, what am I going to do? Okay, I've got counselling qualifications. Um, if there are women who are feeling like me, why? Mm. Why don't I set up like a business of sorts mm. to help individuals? And that's how my business was born. So year two in Dubai, I was like, right, get my um, business license yep. um, and start talking to women. Yeah. Um, and it was word of mouth. Um, and then um, I did a coaching qualification. Amazing. So then I became a coach and then I went on to do a psychology degree. Mm. And then uh, I started do a practicing psychology. Yeah. Um, the women came to see me and they felt... Uh, an affinity mm. because I could connect and I could empathize truly because I felt so alone, yeah. so sad. Yeah. And when they felt that there was someone on their side who wasn't judging them, mm -hmm. truly wasn't judging mm -hmm. them, just wanted to serve and help, they felt comfortable with sending their husbands mm. to me. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. Because they didn't feel threatened by me. They yes. are, Tessa's not going to steal their husband, yeah. did it, all that no. kind of stuff, yeah. which is lurking in a lot of women's heads, mm. you know. And then the men would come and they would be sitting like this, well, I don't want to be in therapy. And I framed it as coaching. Good so idea. business coaching. Yeah. So I would use business examples and frame it back into their personal emotional lives mm. and they oh okay that makes sense and um, when they quite enjoyed that yeah. um, my reputation yep. grew uh, other men came to see me then they said Tess why don't you come into my organization I think there is a spot for you oh, and wow. that's how my business wing grew it's amazing. So that's how I am, who I am. Who you are, yeah. Mm. And you know, it's so amazing that it's come from purpose mm. and quite, a, and I was, I'm figuring it out now. I mean, Let's Talk was definitely birthed in a place of like not sleeping, weeping, disappointment, all those factors, anxiety to the point where I'm surprised that I'm sat here. But when you can find your purpose and elevate and even just mm. push yourself, because it takes a lot of effort just to want to be able to get up and do anything in that headspace mm. to then build something so authentic. And that will resonate. So when you said women were coming to you because they knew that you came from a place that either was quite similar to them mm. or you're coming from a very authentic place. So that yeah. is just fantastic. I think there was an incredible sadness that I had yeah. and I wanted to lift that by serving. Yeah. Um, when I was at secondary school, we had a, a logo, an emblem, and it said Servium. That oh. means I shall serve. Yes. So it's a St. Angeles um, mm. um, motto. And I was thinking about that quite recently because I think my whole purpose has been mm. to serve and it has been misconstrued because I would really try and help and sometimes it wasn't wanted right so that's how I um started 
pulling back a little bit. I, I didn't offer my help unless somebody asked me. Mm. So I knock, yeah. but I don't go where, um, yeah. if somebody doesn't open the door, then I don't enter. And you also have the talent to sense that because, you know, mm. some people don't, <laughs> they will keep on, they'll keep on pushing. Mm. So I think it's a talent to be able to know where it's your place to kind of go there because they're allowing you mm. or just to kind of step back and wait for that person to invite you in yeah. and try again. I think that's a blessing. I, I think what we need to do is um, read people's body language yeah. because 70% of our communication is mm -hmm. nonverbal. Yeah. So um, coming from london in uh in the 80s where there was uh, a lot of uh biases and mm. racism and all that kind of stuff all the challenges that i grew up with um brown parents immigrant parents expectations reality mm. all that kind of stuff i i kind of honed in my skills of like reading engaging people yeah. if, if i should ask this or if i shouldn't ask this and it's a skill set that i kind of had but I suppressed mm. and doing therapy I am able to draw it out and yeah. kind of gauge if someone is ready or open to yeah. talk about whatever it is if that's on their yeah. mind. I want to touch on loneliness because mm. I've mentioned this before and the perception of Dubai is you're in Dubai I Dubai is a place where you can socialize for sure. As you know, you talk about brunches and there's drinks and there's always something to do but in terms of really finding your person to mm. say oh I think I'm going to file for divorce at there's not many places you can go where you feel safe to have that or even just having genuine friendships here you hear so many different dynamics about friendships and stories that I'm yeah. still like what someone did that so what are you seeing when it comes to this loneliness like a lot of your clients actually coming in to say I feel like I don't have anybody here mm. because I say this to people and they're like no this there's always people around they don't understand yeah. what that means um but they don't frame it as loneliness okay, okay. Yes. they come in and say yeah you know, I don't have many friends uh, mm. I don't know what I'm doing with myself um loneliness is the lack of connection okay. or meaningful connection mm. so what we do if we go to any environment we want to fit in because we have a herd mentality yes. so what do we do when we fit in we adapt mm. and become the the cohort yeah. so that we don't uh, become the outlier mm -hmm. and discarded but when we do that we're not really being authentic to ourselves yeah. we we don't belong when we are connected to people, we are, we belong and we're authentic. Mm. We say what we want and mean yes. what we say and we are accepted for who mm -hmm. we are. There are challenges, of course, yeah. but ultimately those people love us because we are unapologetically mm -hmm. ourselves. What I found personally when I came to Dubai, it was very difficult for yep. me to be me yeah. because people were being reinventing yes. themselves and I feel had kind of lost who mm. their identity because they wanted to be this Dubai, whatever yes. it is. Yep. Mm. Yeah, and that's why I started Let's Talk, because it's around authenticity, because mm. I think it's very hard to find that in people. Or you're told to, you know, Dubai is such a great place. I mean, I've been here for 10 years, and but it's very shiny. It's, you know, there's a lot of perfectionism. You have to be perfect. Life has to seem good. Perceived, Perceived perfectionism. Mm. And people don't, and I understand, no one's going to openly put on social media if they've been up all night crying. It's very rare that you get, you know, people's truths behind mm. closed doors so let's talk was very much having open and honest conversations yeah. and it's hard right being vulnerable I'm still learning I would never have thought that I would be doing something like this but I see the value in it as well and to allow the community to know that it's okay and there's mm. other people that it's not great at the moment but also other people that have overcome as well Absolutely. yeah I think people often associate vulnerability with failing yeah 
True. And my opinion is we have to fail all the time so we grow. True. And we evolve and become the people that we are meant to mm. be. And it's only through falling down that we learn to get back up yeah. and not fall down in the same spot again. Mm. But if we try and suppress our vulnerabilities slash failure, yeah. what happens is how do we learn? Mm. We keep repeating the same mistakes again and again and get frustrated at the fact that we are doing it. So I say to all my clients, even my friends, that vulnerability is our greatest strength and asset. Mm. So when we embrace it, you know, when we're at the bottom, we can look all the way up and see what we need to do to grow and develop. When we're at the top mm. and we fall down, we can humble ourselves yeah. and learn, well, actually, that didn't really work. So what can I do differently? What do I need to introspect upon? What do I need to perhaps adapt mm. and evolve so that I become that version that people enjoy being around? Mm. And also yourself, to, to sit with yourself and be happy and mm. content. Yeah. Mm. And I think a lot, a lot with failure, if I take my journey, the failure of my marriage not making it to the end and we're not going to be 80 and watching our grandkids and the disappointment mm. of that failure is yeah. what gets me every time. I could be sitting working and it will just hit me that this it didn't work. It didn't happen. Mm. So navigating that disappointment. I know we talked about this like off off uh, the cameras, but I'm still figuring out how do you go about that? I mean, you would have also faced in life disappointment. Navigating that is really hard. Yeah, I think the most the difficult thing about disappointment is how other people make you feel. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So from parents uncles aunties mm. to friends and when we have something that's burdening us and we feel sad about it sometimes we don't share because we're afraid of other people's judgment True. and that disappoints you as much as the actual disappointment yeah true so what is really important is to look at what our expectations slash requirements mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. compared to the reality because there is a big gap between that and that's right. where the disappointment lives. Mm. In order to overcome that or to even prevent that, it is to have honest, open communication. Mm. Now, communication is not just talking. Right. Communication is about understanding what each other's values and beliefs mm. are and not just saying okay I agree but what does it actually mean mm. it's the hard talk yeah. not many people not many of us actually have the hard talk no. because it's difficult yeah. and we assume and we kind of sideswipe and yeah. go yeah it's fine but is it really yeah yeah, mm. and I think it is that hard talk and I'm learning to be able to vocalise more. A lot mm. of, I think, again, I always go back to your upbringing. A lot of my upbringing, I'm quite a conforming person, if mm. I'm quite honest. So do as I'm told. And it works quite well for parents if you've got a child that is, and my son is a bit like that, actually. So I do try and be mindful that he doesn't always need to conform to what I'm saying, let him have a viewpoint and an opinion at quite a small age. But I think it's, I was not very good at vocalising. I don't like this. And it could be small things. I'll just do it, you know, mm. keep the peace and just do it. As an adult, I'm having to like unpick that. And therapy as an adult is tough. Mm. Like it, it's hard because I'm like, I, I don't know why, why this has happened or why I've thought this way. And I'm having to go through all of these years of learned behavior yeah. and unpick it and you know and kind of rethink about things which is so difficult and i think there's also an element of background anger oh yeah, yeah. okay um anger i i like to frame it as an iceberg there's so many facets to anger mm. disappointment humiliation uh, sadness mm. and the like and when we can under or frustration oh, even yeah. when we can identify what it is that we are angry about then we can really work on what has caused or triggered that 
Right. Sometimes we can sit in a conversation and you feel like, oh, that that's yes. affecting me in a certain way. It's because the other person has triggered something in you unbeknown mm. that you haven't touched upon. So just going back to, you know, how our parents have, you know, you said you're a conformist. Yeah. I was a conformist right. and I tried to be a conformist, but I had a mouth on me. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And um, being brown and having a mouth on me, I got into all yeah, sorts of, of trouble yeah. mm. um, being shouted at. And, you know, God bless my parents. They, they did what they mm-hmm. thought was right at that time. But I knew I was an outlier. Right. I knew I was different. Right. I knew it was going to be different for me. Um, I'm from East London. Right, okay. But I don't sound like an East Londoner. No, yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> what I did from age 10 was like, I don't want to be typecast. Right. And you knew that from a very young from age. From such a young age. Yes, because the school I was at, um, it, we had a lot of white and uh, different nationalities right. who came in. And they, for me, that seemed like success right. because they're teaching and, you know, they were well-dressed mm. and um, they lived in a, a posh part of yeah. London also, I thought. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I want that. That's what I want. So I started mimicking how they spoke. Right. And I noticed that they spoke a lot slower mm-hmm. than my cohort. So I started doing that. I took an interest in English. Mm. Um, and from there, I, I, I started to be different and yeah. act differently and I became very lonely because I didn't have that connection because people were like you're you're not one of us yeah I was gonna say how was that accepted like in your household with your mm. cousins with your siblings with your community because quite easily you can get picked on at quite a young age because mm. they're like what are you doing like why mm. do you sound like this what are you trying who are you trying to be who absolutely. are you that's quite hard at quite a young age absolutely and I looked very different as right. well you know the curly frizzy hair and the glasses and the teeth and all and uh-huh. and I was smart as well so it's just like Ooh. what is she exactly <laughs> what is yes, she yeah. um, so I I was quite quiet and I was quite sad mm. and I was like you know what I, I know I, I need to get to university I need to get to university yeah. and that was my driver I knew once I got out into the big world I could make an impact yes. I didn't know what kind of impact but I knew I could because wow. I wanted to serve I wanted to help and I'm motivated by just supporting people and just drawing out that wonderfulness that we all have inside yes. so that I think what I'm doing now is I'm living my purpose. Purpose, And by living my purpose, I'm helping people to find their voice Mm. and their courage in a way that perhaps they never thought they could. Yeah. Because I ask the challenging questions. I'm mm. not here to sugarcoat. Yeah. I go straight in. Yep. Um, there are many therapists out there who go, oh, no, oh, that's very sad. Oh, yeah. And I, I, although that is great to be empathetic, mm. it's like, what do you do after that? Correct. Be empathetic. And what's what's the um, solution? How do I help you to help yourself? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I always say to my clients, I'm a conduit for right. you to get to point A to point yeah. B. Yeah. I'm not your crutch. Mm, that's very mm. talented. And as a therapist, I think it takes a special person because I'm an empath. So I would absorb, tell mm. me your problem. We're going to fix it together. I want to help. I'm definitely a helper, mm. but I don't know how to disconnect the emotions from it. I won't cry with you. Now, actually, I'm a lot more emotional. Before, I found it quite awkward just to hug, actually. And I think from upbringing, we went a huggy, mm. kind of love you, kissy type family. So maybe that's where it's come from. Now I'm a lot more emotional and I'm enjoying it, actually. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of disconnecting from that, because you would hear so many different extremes, you mm. know, you, you'll see a lot of people, I'm sure, quite upset or quite angry or frustrated. How do you go home at night and not 
replay that? Like, how do you disconnect? What is your therapy in mm. this role? So I used to be one of those people who took on everyone's problems mm. and I'd go home, I'd be in the shower and I'd be like, oh, John, right, what can I do to help mm -hmm. John? I wouldn't sleep um, because I'd wake up and go, okay, Fatima needs this, so oh. what am I going to do? And I'd go down to my library and do my reading and my husband would be like, what are you doing? And mm. I'm like, I just, I just need to do it. And I'd be so tired because I, I just wanted to help and yeah. support. And I got to a stage where I got terribly ill actually oh, really? because I was so drained and I didn't mm. know what it was. It was just physically and emotionally yeah. exhausted. Mm -hmm. The pain that I was taking and uh, I was in hospital, I was on a trip. Oh. Two days I was in hospital. Uh, I came back, I was like, something's going to change. Yeah. So I went to go and see my therapist. Okay, good. Also, the therapists, the therapists do have therapists. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, great. And uh, she told me about the bubbling up technique. Right. So I'm going to share that here. Yeah, please. Bubbling up technique is literally imagining a bubble around you uh -huh. and this bubble is teflon coated right and cobalt blue mm. teflon is non-stick mm -hmm. and cobalt blue is soothing yeah. so when anyone talks to you it comes and it slides it doesn't penetrate mm. not unless you allow it right. to so you open it up for the people that matter okay. so my children yeah. my best friends my family mm. i do i open my heart and my mind yeah. but for anybody else i'm here to serve you mm. but i cannot allow you to penetrate yeah. me because it's going to impact me in a negative way and then I'm not going to be useful for anyone. Mm. I cannot pour from an empty cup. Very right? true, yeah. So by using this technique, it has helped me in such a profound manner, wow. coupled with sage. So yeah. I do put sage yeah, you do. Yes, yep. <laughs> And um, I also exercise. So for me, exercising is my detox. Right, I go it. six times a week. I have, six times, yep, Tess? Six times wow. a week. And I don't enjoy it. I was going to say, you must enjoy it. <laughs> no, I don't enjoy it. I, I do it because I know 15 minutes and nine seconds into it, I will feel lighter and okay. better for yep. it. And I do it. And, you know, um, when I spoke earlier, I was quite big and quite fat because I was eating a lot. Because oh, I was so the shame. weight was it? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it started off like, you know, let me lose some weight. Now it's, it's not about losing weight. It's about being strong. Mm. strong in my mind, yes. strong in my body and being a fantastic role model yeah, for my children. For your children. Yeah. And when my clients come to see me and they say, you know what, I just don't know what to do and I'm feeling mm. sad, I say, get your body in shape, yeah. right? And yeah. in shape, be strong, mm. okay? So I always signpost them to people who I think are a good fit for them in okay. terms of PTs yep. and trainers. And once they do that, they get their bodies in check and they feel great, the dopamine and the endorphins are flowing and then their mindset starts shifting because of the hard talk right. and the challenging questions. Yeah, mm. so the physical side, I know, I'm not there yet, but I know how important, because obviously I spent like the year and a half comfort eating. Mm. Um, and for me, like I've never been big, big, but in our family, it is a trait. So if we don't watch what we eat, we yeah. can quickly put on weight. And I found the heaviest I felt, my skin, everything. Mm. I broke out in stress highs because, you know, all of the physical impact that yeah. stress and trauma and all of this can have. So in terms of, now trying to shift to work on just feeling good for myself mm. as well, I think, as well. Because there was a point where I didn't recognize myself. I've never put on so much weight so quickly, actually. Yeah. And I couldn't find myself getting out of it. Like the, the food was literally soothing me for whatever, yeah. half an hour. Absolutely. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do this because I'm stressed and I've got too many things to think about. But yeah, it's it's quite a slippery slope, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. And we use food, we use alcohol, we use sex, gambling, shopping, mm. whatever, whatever the vices may be. As a form of numbing. Yeah. 
because we don't want to deal with whatever's going on. So we use that as an escape. Yeah. Yeah. When we recognize what we're doing, we can take ownership and then accountability mm. and we can choose every second we have a choice, Sharon. Yeah. It's a binary, yes or no, yes or no, yes or yeah. no. But we have patterns, patterns from yesterday, mm-hmm. yesteryear. And as a therapist, what I do with my clients from a corporate perspective and a personal perspective is to help them choose an alternative pathway mm. or give them at least the courage or the option yeah. to choose that. Yep. I'm very descriptive, not prescriptive, right. which I mean, it's I don't tell people what to do. Yes, What I do is offer them options. Um, you see, I'm going to be a very small fleeting part in people's right, lives. Yeah. In 10 years' time, they probably think, oh, I remember going to see a therapist mm. way back when and she helped me with this. And so it should be. Yeah. So I try and equip my clients with tools that they can use forevermore so they don't want to or need to come back to therapy. Mm. But if they do, it's for a top-up or to talk about a topic that they didn't cover in the first yes. session. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so important. I think also your therapist, obviously, is finding the right person mm. for you is what I've learned as yeah. well. But therapy, the topic of therapy, because I think it's talked about a lot more now than mm-hmm. obviously maybe 10 years ago way back when you know when I was growing up therapy would be like oh is that person okay maybe you know there's something wrong with them a bit loopy. you're a bit crazy yeah mm. sorry to say and I know that's not the case yeah. but I think has that dynamic changed a bit more I feel like maybe COVID spiked a lot more people needing therapy because mm. we were daily hearing about deaths people lost family members friends we're living in this crazy world and I know companies like my company were more thinking about well-being mental health Mm. and I I saw a lot more of that during COVID because the pandemic was was insane but through the years of you know doing what you do is a dynamic on the word therapy seen as less scary now or people a bit more closed off to it still Mm, it depends on the individual Mm. um how I like to frame it is um coaching Right, yes, yeah. yeah because okay. there doesn't seem to be too much of a stigma yes, attached to coaching, yeah. life coaching, okay. Uh, and then they come in um, because my skill set is uh, counselling um, and CBT, cognitive behavioural okay. therapy and NLP, neuro-linguistic yeah. programming. When I come from a coaching perspective, depending on the client, mm. they're more receptive and open, it, open to yeah. the conversation. And then I introduce elements of emotions and emotional mm. intelligence and how it... Um, percolates through into their personal life yep. and then once that opening is there and the trust and rapport mm. is there it's that much easier to talk about it but going back to the stigma I think there is still a lot of stigma okay. around mental health uh, illnesses and feeling not well mentally mm. um, although it is diminishing slowly but I think there are organizations and people in Dubai who are talking openly about it on TikTok, on Instagram, and yeah. it's making it more acceptable right. to seek support yep. and help. Mm. And if there's one person in the circle of friends doing it and he or she shares, the other people are more likely to go, yeah, actually, maybe I should. What's the number? Mm. What's the number of that person? Let me go and talk. And that is how my business grew. It yeah. was just through word of mouth. You know, Sharon, I did not advertise one bit. Really? Not not one bit. It's only during COVID because I didn't have any clients. Yeah, so you need, yes, yeah. Um, that's when I built my website. What? Yeah. I, it was all word so of mouth. So all those years, just word of mouth? Yeah, word of mouth. Um, and people would come and see me. And, you know, the impact mm. that they felt from... Um, the way that I was asking them questions, yeah. unpicking and unpacking, mm. 
in a non-judgmental yeah. way, in a safe manner, um, providing a safe space. Mm. I always say to my clients, this is my face, there's no Botox, right? I, I just don't <laughs> react. Of course I laugh, but yeah. um, they start laughing, but it's true. It's just, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to help just, you, yeah. to help yourself, yeah. truly. So and once yeah. they feel safe to do that and they're like, okay, this is what has happened and... Um, of, of course, a lot of people do ask me for my opinion. Yeah, but I, I don't can give imagine. it to them. It's like, I'm, I'm not here to give you my wow. opinion. Yeah. Which is also safe because there are times where people, I'm sure, if someone asks for opinion, they would mm. give it. But that can also be a bit dangerous because yeah, you go away thinking, well, this is what my therapist told me to do and this is what I'm just going to do without really thinking about, is it what I want to do? Yeah. So it's great that you actually don't intrude in that way, Absolutely. actually. I mean, when we go to therapy, we are vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aren't we? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then if you've got someone sitting in the expert chair saying, you need to do this, when we're vulnerable, we are going to lap up what he or do she, it. and yep. we're going to do it, and yep. we're not going to action it. And that's dangerous because if you don't understand what the methodology mm. or the thoughts behind the said action is, then it's not going to be, you can't replicate mm. it later, and you won't understand why you're doing it, and then mm -hmm. you fall into that spiral yep. again and again. Yep. So it's really important to understand what it is that we're thinking how we're feeling about mm. that thought and the action or inaction that we're taking. Right. And that's yeah. the premise of CBT, right. thought, okay. feeling, action. And then when you, if someone's sitting there, because sometimes it's like, do I need therapy? I'm not sure. Like when people come in, um, some people have never experienced, uh, you know, having mm. to go to therapy or I'm not sure how do I know that it's therapy that I need? You know, what would be some of the signs? For me, it was quite clear because I was like, I've gone through so much, something that's so traumatic quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure I came out healthier mentally and stronger. And just also what my son saw as well. I, don't, mm -hmm. I didn't want him to feel my energy of sadness and not really be able to deal with it or express it in, in the right way. I was suppressing it. I was said, he's never going to see me cry. I don't mm -hmm. want my son uh, seeing me weeping. Mm -hmm. So I'd put him to bed, we would laugh and I'd just be aware. I'd be lying there not being able to switch off or sleep or or just crying because mm. it was so sad so I was like I need an outlet that is healthy that can help me but some people don't really know if it's you know is it therapy or is it I'm just sad today and just need to get on with life and just ignore it is there any signs that could help people to understand maybe this is something they need to explore I think um therapy is something that everybody should do regardless oh, yeah. of how they're yeah. feeling if it's okay. sad it's uh, I liken it to taking a car for service mm. we do that every six months one year and why do we do that just to make sure everything's ticking along nicely yeah. and the car's not going to blow up yeah. essentially right yeah um why shouldn't therapy be the same sometimes point. we just need to have someone impartial mm. so we can detox mm. and say what we need to say and then feel that catharsis of mm. release and go okay right now i can continue yeah we can add to it with cbt yeah um, to kind of find a reframe and think about things differently we can combine it with coaching nlp mm. for us to think about things differently through a linguistic perspective but i think it's really essential that everybody does it mm. i mean we talk to our girl women yes. women talk to yeah. their girlfriends and yeah, we kind true. of rant and say this 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 imagine doing it in a a safe space mm. with an impartial person who's not going to give you his or her opinion true then you can work through whatever it is that you're going through and go okay i've got this i can do this mm. and it's 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 so um empowering yeah. really yeah. but going to going back to when you can have therapy when you're feeling sad you know if you're seeking advice from your friends mm. and family 
and you've got so many opinions and you just don't know. It's like oh. a helicopter, you know, being in a tailspin yes. yep. like that. That's when we need to go and see someone who's professional okay. for you to receive some grounding. Yeah. Yeah. To to ask you the questions your best friends won't. Yes. Yeah. Or give you some hard truths mm. in the way that perhaps you haven't had delivered to mm. you before. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's the time to do it. You know, when we go through some sort of tragedy like a divorce mm. or you know a, a bereavement, we do need to speak about our feelings. Yeah. Because what's, what happens when the clouds get heavy, Sharon? Yeah. It just gets heavy and heavy and it needs to rain. Yes. And yeah. sometimes we need to rain to a professional. Yeah. Our friends are great and that they're, if we have friends, of mm, course. This is the a right thing. Yeah, the right tried. friends, correct. And if we haven't got the right friends, they might say things and it's not congruent with mm. us and our values. And because we're so desperate for some sort of just something. Want something, yeah. And we might yeah. follow and heed their suggestions and advice. Yeah. And it just turns into a, you go to a place that you really don't want to go to. And then think, oh, maybe I should have invested in therapy. Yes, in the yeah. yeah. That's really good advice, actually. Mm. And I think the thing that I tried to do is not have, because you can have so many opinions, particularly sure. around sensitive topics like this. Mm. A lot of it was like, stay, you have a son, just stay mm. <laughs> which just didn't sit with my soul because I yeah. want my son to be in a happy environment our home is peaceful and I mm. love that and I'm navigating the reality of you know this is what it looks like to live in a peaceful environment it's not how I wanted it to end but I'm accepting that and mm. lifting the shame I was crippled with shame actually I was really embarrassed mm. by the whole situation still am a little bit to be honest yeah but I felt comfortable enough to know that I need to talk to someone about it to help me navigate and ease a lot of this like p mental pain and yeah. physical um pain that was happening but I wanted to think about men because mm. I know with women you know we're, we're quite good at vocalizing most of the time or we have our girlfriends to have a chat mm. with and sometimes it's seen as like yeah we're having a glass of wine but it is actually therapy because you're releasing but with men I, d I don't know in terms of are you seeing a lot of men accepting mm. therapy I know you said you you know you position it as uh, coaching which I think works quite well for men I, I'm sure yeah. but are men more accepting to opening up to therapy are they exploring it more um men find it quite uh weird mm. to talk about their feelings okay. because they haven't been conditioned to do to so, do so. Right? yeah mm. um, from a young age um young girls are um, conditioned to be emotional yeah. and kind mm. and play with their dollies etc yeah. boys are you know rough and tumble climb trees and Boys don't cry yes. and men don't cry and all that kind of stuff. And they they get to a position where they want to cry. Mm. And once they find the right therapist, whomever he or she might yeah. be, and if he or she can write, ask the right questions yeah. um, in a safe manner, mm. non-judgmental manner, that's when men open up. Mm. And there's so much trauma that they're carrying. This this need to be perfect yeah. stems from uh, childhood wounds. Yeah. Um, this need to be um, a, a certain way or perceived as a strong man, mm. alpha man, comes from things that have happened or not happened as they were growing up so men can talk men do talk it's whether or not they give themselves permission to do yeah. so yeah. sometimes it's a bit of cloak and dagger you know some people come into my home office and they're like make sure nobody sees and right they sit yeah, down they and feel, like, yes, yeah and um, there's a lot of small talk got it before we kind of go in yes because they need to feel comfortable mm. one thing i have found um is that with men they find it a little bit um, 
weird to mm. speak to uh, an outsider, a woman, no less, who's not that. their wife. Yes, yeah. And I get a lot of, why Why isn't my wife like this? Oh. Why doesn't she listen? And I say, it's not that she, she isn't okay. listening. It's about understanding and um, your perhaps inability or your thought that you don't need to share. Mm. Women like information yeah. and with the information they make deductions mm -hmm. and inferences but if you don't give any information she's going to make assumptions and presumptions Herself. and that's what men typically don't like from their partners okay mm. that's so interesting and have you had like wives recommend that their husbands come to you yeah you 100 percent. oh right um, because they don't find me threatening yeah because that would always yeah. that could yeah. be a thing i can imagine yeah. um and uh you know i work from uh, my home office right. yeah. and i work in the corporate so when they come to my home office um they're sat on the sofa and they just can be unapologetically mm. them and when I ask them questions they they just tend to open up because initially it's like mm, yeah I yeah. can imagine um and the first question I ask them is do you want to be here good point do you want to be here yeah not really oh okay so why are you here because mm, my wife said okay um I can tell you what I do right um I can share how I can help you yeah um you're very welcome to listen mm. if you don't want to um progress thereafter yeah you're very welcome to leave. Right. So I'm very blind. Very, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not here to sugarcoat. Yeah. I'm here to help you to help yourself, mm. only if you're open to it. Yeah. If there isn't an opening, there's, there's no, no way point. Yeah. that I can support anybody. And men like straight talk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I give it to them. Good, And when yeah. I give it to them, they're like, huh, this is different from right. how my wife talks to me. Mm -hmm. Right? Not to say that I don't speak to my husband like this, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's you know, different strokes, different Correct. folks. You've yeah. got to adapt the way you speak to people um, so you can get the results. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because I, I had an episode with a child psychologist mm. because obviously I'm raising a young boy to be a man. I say this a lot, but I am mindful of that as well because the narrative starts from home at a young age, right? You're a boy, you don't cry. You're a boy, you have to be strong. So I'm very mindful not to use that language. So, mm. You know, I want him to feel vulnerable and be balanced in his yeah. emotions as well. Yes, you might be upset about something, but how do we deal with you talking about it? Or there's times where we're rolling on the floor and play fighting because he needs to release that you know that energy he's a mm. young boy and that's okay as well but I just realized how much it can definitely trickle all the way through to adulthood and frame your perception or not being able to vocalize mm. when there are when there's trauma if your heart is broken or you know you've Absolutely. dated someone and she's upset you so I think it's so important that's mm. why I asked about men because I want to know you know are men being more open to this type of help yeah I think because there are more men's groups Ah, mm. uh, and there are more men talking about their feelings right. yep. um, being or touching into their femininity yes. yep. it's becoming more accepted mm. because not all men are stoic yeah men do have feelings of yep. course but in the younger years uh, i have a son myself so what i do is um, i talk to him about how he's feeling okay. what he thinks about certain yep. topic areas then i introduce male characters Around into his him. life who mm. who are afraid to kind of say well i didn't like this because of this this and right. this made me because um, we absorb and observe yeah 
the people around, around us, us, right? Yeah. And once we feel comfortable with the people around us, it becomes normal mm. to yes. talk about yeah, these things. Correct. It's not, you know, it's not like this is what girls do, this is what yeah. boys do. It's not an archetype. It becomes, you know, every, everybody should yeah. uh, be talking about how they feel and um, talk about injustices mm. and not yes. just kind of swallow it and then blow up and punch. And yeah, and this is yeah because it can come out mm. in different ways, right? Which Absolutely. we don't understand. Or that child would just be seen as aggressive mm. or naughty yeah. without really knowing what's kind of yeah, deep-rooted. So we have to exercise empathy, mm. not just with children, with ourselves. ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah, for and sure. And self-compassion. Mm. And we don't tend to do that. No. And we why don't. is that, do you think, actually? Because I'm learning to mm. do more of that. Everyone was like, you have to be kind to yourself in this season. I didn't even know what that meant. Exactly. I was like, I just need to be able to raise my kid, go to work. And like, I was mm. not being kind to myself at all. Mm. If anything, I blocked any thought around that. But I couldn't, I couldn't really understand why I would do that. Because it is a time where I should actually be, you know, gentle on myself. Mm. But I wasn't doing that. Um, we have voices in our heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And those voices are typically from the people who raised us. Mm. Um, our parents. Oh, my goodness, Tess. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. even for me, you know, sometimes um, when I'm thinking something, I'm like, whose voice is that? Interesting. Um, the choices that I make, I don't make. Um, who is influencing yeah. me, you know? Um, and that that just trickles through into mm. adulthood okay. and when we say you need to be kind to yourself it's about not listening to those voices Got from it. yesterday or yesteryear or if we do listen to them challenging it mm. why am i thinking like that right. why should i do that well how is it going to serve me what value is it going to add right yeah the value piece is really important mm -hmm. because when our parents raised us most of us it's because they had specific values and beliefs true it doesn't mean that it needs to be upheld right mm -hmm. now. Yep. And this is a shame bit that comes yeah. into it. Yeah. So with things around divorce or losing a job mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, this shame is because, you know, you, you should have been better right. and you should have been more accommodating as a woman. And, you know, what kind of woman dresses like this and goes out like yes. that? These are the voices mm -hmm. from our archetypes from yes. way back when. Yeah, We need to dismantle that because when somebody practices infidelity mm. it's a choice mm. it's a yeah. choice mm. and it's it's a bitter pill to swallow but it's a choice and it's seldom to do with the person that they are um cheating on right. it's more about them mm. and what they're feeling like a deficit or a gap right okay now if they don't talk about it if they don't mm. share or it's not delivered in the way the other party understands yeah. what's going on then who who do we assign blame to yeah yeah, mm. I shifted when you said that word because it's close to home. But also, I'm also learning about it. I mean, it's very on face values. Okay, someone's done this to you. But yeah, there's a, there's usually a lot more to it, actually. Mm. That type of behavior, usually, there's, you know, there's a lot more to unpack. And sometimes you need a bit of grace to really figure out why that person's acted in that way. But I think it takes a, a certain person <laughs> to be yeah. able to do that as and well. And sometimes we may never understand well, yeah. the motivations. Yeah. Look, everyone, not Everyone gets married not to get divorced. Yeah, correct. Right? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, we, we have this idea we'll get married and it will have a happily ever after. Mm. But the reality of it is that's when the hard work starts. True. Once you get married. Yes. 
Right. But we're not taught that as well. Well, in our co- in our community, we're not taught that actually. Absolutely. Yeah. We we see our mothers just accepting. Correct. Right. Our aunties just accepting yep. and not challenging. And there's a huddle of women saying, yes. oh, well, "Our husbands are sins, okay." And then the men have their own huddle talking about whatever it Correct. is. Correct. And never the two shall meet. Yeah. Right. But they go home together and they just perpetuate what they saw their grandmothers mm-hmm. and the grandmothers before, until now. Yeah. Okay. We have a choice and we have a voice Mm. and we know when something feels uncomfortable and some of us, Mm. the courageous ones, Mm. right, say, no, this is unacceptable because it doesn't work for me. Other ladies who haven't got that voice, they continue on this Mm. trajectory, feeling upset and vulnerable, thinking, this is it, this This is is my life. Oh, gosh. And it's it's very sad. And what I try to do with my men and my ladies mm. is give them the platform just to work through all of these thoughts mm-hmm. without any shame. Yeah. Right? I, from a cultural perspective, I'm Asian. I grew up with a, a black community from mm. East London, you know. I I can understand the cultural yeah. nuances. Yeah. I can, I can empathize. I get it. But I'm also here from a Western perspective mm-hmm. that we have a choice. Yeah. We don't have to accept everything that mm. is given to us. Um, do you like kiwis? No. Right. Mm. If I gave you a kiwi, would you eat it? No. Why not? Because I don't like them. Right. Yeah. That's a choice. Yeah. Now, if everyone is eating kiwis and your mum, yeah. you have to eat it because auntie's going to tell you, yeah. what do you do? You eat, eat the it. Ki- right. Yeah. So what we need to try and do is exercise our choice yeah make us feel empowered by the choices that we make and not feel shamed mm. by it and also by not feeling shamed changing the narrative, narrative. around us yeah and that's hard to mm. do that's hard to do Tess you've touched on so much I'm literally like okay I need to take this away I need to take this away and this is what I love about speaking with professionals because I learn so much and I know obviously the DXB community will take so much from it as Thank well you. you're doing great things it's such a you know, it's such a blessing, I think, to be able to have a heart of serving because not mm. a lot of people can and do it in a way that is so authentic mm-hmm. because it's so tough. I mean, life is hard and you're you're dealing with people's emotions. It's very sensitive as well. But I can tell that you're passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, I absolutely love what I do. And, you know, I will say that the one thing I want to leave as my legacy is that I was able to help. Yeah. And that's all I want mm. to be known as somebody who truly cared and gave her all to help in service. Wow. That's all I want. So if there's just one person that I've touched and helps to support them to make the choice to to empower them, that's I, I will go to go to heaven feeling happy. Feeling happy. Mm. Thank you so much. You're such a beautiful soul. Just your whole energy. I'm like, whoa, I feel like I've had a therapy session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so if people wanted to kind of learn more about you or learn about what you do, what's Mm -hmm. the easiest place to Um, find? So I'm on LinkedIn, Tess Pereira, and also on Instagram, Tess Pereira, psychologist psychologist coach um so send me a dm if you want some support and uh, if i can i will and that's what i live by if i can i will fantastic thank you so much for coming in thank you let's talk dxb real conversations by real people